Hello and welcome to Rugger Matrix International episode 211, the World Cup wash-up. I'm here with my co-hosts Ben Kimber and Mark Kabanabar, Pinky Cashcow Cashman. Uh, it is a longer name, but we just use the uh, short one <laughs> in this instance. Gentlemen, uh, we've gone old school. The old commentary headsets in honour of the World Cup just complete. Mark Cashman, we're recording this the Sunday after the World Cup. You've had time to digest and ingest and all the rest. Uh, what are your thoughts on World Cup 2015? Well, what an absolute great tournament. What, uh, how brave were those Wallabies? I was sitting watching the cricket yesterday. Australia were playing New Zealand. We're absolutely giving it to them, but it's just not the same, boys, is it? It's just not the same as beating them in the rugby. No, it isn't, has it, Ben? Oh, I thought we were here to talk about the cricket. No? Uh, oh, yeah. Go to the cricket. <laughs> uh, mate, uh, I'm really pleased that we've taken about a week after the World Cup final because I've had time to calm down. All right. I've, so why, why were you so heated? I, I, we talked about that game and, and, you know, we had a unanimous tip for the Wallabies, which went really well, I think, mm. didn't it, boys? Um, the, the, <laughs> the, a couple of things had to go our way for that game for the, us to, to take out that game, for the Wallabies to win that game, and they didn't, particularly in that first half. What we've seen over the years, and it shouldn't have been a surprise, but the, uh, the, the, the All Blacks mojo, the power they hold over the referees, I thought that was well and truly in place in that first half. The bounce of the ball seemed to go the All Blacks way, and, and we got back into it, but it was just a bridge too far in the end. So do you think, uh, I mean, you don't want to make excuses, but um, how much of an impact did the refereeing have? Yeah, no, you'd have to start and look at yourselves first, clear with the Wallabies. And you'd, you'd point, we talked about the line-out in the lead-up to the game, and the line-out got shellacked. And the mm. All Blacks were deserved winners. I don't want to you know, get into any sort of uh, whinging about that. I don't they, think any of us uh, can complain about the All absolutely Blacks champions. Absolutely not. Yeah. Deserved winners, but when you look at the game and you think what could have been for the Wallabies, um, it definitely felt like in that first half in particular, the, the usual All Blacks mojo that we see was in place. And the, they, the, the way that they can control and influence a game... And they were up for it. They were clearly up for it. But it just didn't feel like we could get that break in that first half. Casho, Ben, we talked about influence in the game. David Pocock, he can't do it all on his own. And uh, Dan Carter, the influence with the boot. Yeah, very much so. Dan uh, Dan managed to play the game to take David Pocock actually out of the game. They... they, they they trundled a lot down the uh, down that, that down that short side, and it uh, it really sort of worked. Took David Pocock out of the game. None of that wide ranging sort of stuff that David Pocock uh, and Michael Hooper like, where, where they can pilfer ball, get a bit of momentum through uh, change of possessions, other bits and pieces like that. They played it very well. The All Blacks. It was it was a bit of a masterclass tactically from them. So uh, I think Czech's going to learn from that, and uh, you just get the feeling that we're getting that little bit closer, but we've got to get closer even still even more. All right, so New Zealand win the World Cup, and deservedly so. But what about a contest? We had a great time during this World Cup, fantastic games. But what, Ben, did you think of the final itself as a, as a spectacle? As a spectacle, you got what you wanted uh, in a lot of ways. When we got back, to, when the Wallabies got back to 21-17 and it was on, we had a game in our hands. I think unlike uh, you know the, the 2011 World Cup final, which was Dower and the French, probably the better team, didn't win it. Here, it was intense. It was full on. There was controversy. It got close. I thought it was a great game. Uh, a little bit disappointing to see that last try to the All Blacks blow that score out a little bit. Uh, I thought that was undeserved for the effort the Wallabies put in. But really, both teams were there, fired up the right two teams in the final, and they went out at hammer and tongs. I don't think Australia stood any chance once Kane Douglas was injured and Matt Gitto went off. It really changed not just uh, the starting side, but how Australia used the bench. And I talked about this. I wanted to see Israel Folau hasn't had a great World Cup. 
play 30 minutes flat out and then get uh, hooked. In the end, uh, we had to see Curtly Beal come on earlier, who he played pretty well, but it sort of changed the whole dynamic. Yeah, and what Kirtley did during this tournament, I thought uh, it really has uh, thrown up some selection poses for, for Michael Checker for uh, this, uh, this this coming season. He had an absolutely great tournament, uh, very effective off the bench, and when he came on and started uh, one time there for, uh, for Izzy at fullback, he did an absolutely superb job. Uh, he can float around the field, play play a number of positions, but uh, you're right, Bronk, uh, once all those guys went off the whole... Uh, uh, the whole depth, uh, the whole experience, the whole grunt uh, of the Ford pack, particularly Kane Douglas, just wasn't there. Right, I mean, you were, we were talking about Douglas's impact on the World Cup. Uh, just phenomenal for Australia, wasn't it? He was, and he was he was an engine for Australia. You know, you, you talk about those guys you build a team around in terms of talent, in, in terms of physicality. He was a guy that I think Checker very clearly wanted to build his forward pack around. A guy we talked about before the game that would have been in the 78th minute, still line speed up there, smashing blokes in the middle of every mall and in the middle of the scrum. And he was a big loss. And apparently, what I think he did a cruise shoot or something. He's he's going to struggle for the start of the season next year. Um, and Gitto as well. Um, Gitto, uh, he might not have been the flashiest player in the World Cup, but you could definitely see, you saw a lot of the UK journos were talking about him as one of the players of the tournament because he just gave Australia so much composure for a bloke who's been around the block 47 times as he has and that left boot as well just just gave them a secondary edge to the side that, that they really needed and yes, they lost when he went off the field. That's very true, Ben, talking about the, uh, the, the, uh, the left-footed kicker of Matt Gitto. Uh, having a left and a right footer as, as your major kickers in uh, in in these sort of really significant games means you don't uh, get really stuck in down down that deep end of the field and uh, having having a left boot you can get a bit uh, further further up the field and having a right boot on the other side you can get further up the field. Mm. This from the uh, the great kicking prop from North Rugby, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> one of the best and the great uh, chip and chases hey, of all time. How many games did you play? Eight hundred. Too many, bro. Too many. <laughs> Too many to remember. You can't, can't remember. All right, so let's look at the All Blacks. Uh, they've won two World Cups in a row. They've dominated World Rugby. Is this the greatest World Cup era, oh, sorry, All Blacks era of all time? I, had a, I was having a good think about this because we, I knew it would be a topic of conversation for us. And we talked about it going in that, that you know, I, I, I was, you know, pretty, I was pushing the fact that I didn't think Reed and McCall were, were playing as well as they have in the past. I think McCaw turned back the clock in the final. I thought he was uh, monstrous in the final and, and, and showed uh, and showed exactly why he's, he's led this team um, to the World Cup. Uh, I think if you, if you went back through the great all-black sides, you'd definitely find guys who were better individual players. But I think the all-blacks in the past, when they struggled with getting knocked out of World Cups, you'd have to say this is the best team. That old cliche of a team of stars versus a star team, I think this is a star team with some exceptional players. I think perhaps... Some, some brilliant lights in the past for the All Blacks who would be, be who would shine a bit brighter in terms of stars, but as a team they showed composure and they showed a, you know a brilliant commitment in the final. Again, I don't think you would say um, I think McCaw was outstanding. I think Carter was outstanding, but I think it was just the 15 blokes on the field who smashed away together at it with a single purpose and had that real team unity. And I think yep, probably the best All Blacks team. That's but been it, but it, ultimately, Ben, isn't that what it's about? It's a t- it's a team game. Yep. So you, you need that to happen. I, I think the big question, though, Kasia, is where do they go from here? 
with so many experienced players putting up their boots for good. Well, it's a time of regeneration. I think uh, Steve Hansen mentioned uh, bits and pieces about uh, that he'll he'll probably go through the Lions series in 2017 in New Zealand and then uh, and then hand over to somebody else uh, to a- a- actually take over. So it's going to be a, re- a regeneration time. Listen, who's uh, who's not going to be there? Or well, Richie's yet yet to uh, announce anything official. Dan Carter's gone. Ma Nonu. Uh, um, Carter, of course, varying, varying sort of others. So, listen, there's going to be major changes in personnel, but uh, I think that they can, uh, with with that uh, factory line of uh, of talent they've got in New Zealand, they're uh, they're, they're obviously going to uh, have people that are going to be able to uh, step up to the breach. Whether yeah. the, whether they actually get to where the All Blacks are now straight away is 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 another question. Yeah, their succession plan seems to be pretty good and in place. Uh, I don't I don't think they'll have any problems. I mean, we saw two New Zealand sides playing the Super Rugby final again. They dominated the the, the whole tournament. So their depth is very deep and uh, I I think that they'll just keep doing it. They just they just keep doing it. Well, the Wallabies side a little bit younger in that World Cup final. The next couple of years, I think, look pretty good for the Wallabies in terms of the, the talent that Czech has brought through and some of the depth that he's started to develop. The, the All Blacks, there will be an adjustment period for them. And, and one of the things that really stood out for me, and, and I'd probably reference both the discussion around Israel Folau and also Carter and McCaw, in that Carter was picked as the World Rugby Player of the Year. And now, I think, for mine, David Pocock was the player who was more consistently influential at international level. But it's hard to argue with a guy who, who guides his team to a World Cup final. Carter had a couple of stinkers this year, um, and a couple of NZ journos were saying, don't pick him. The, the roundabout point I'm, I'm trying to make here is, though, Carter and McCaw, when the chips are down, stood up. Mm. Now, you can have very good players, and Falau didn't step up when the chips were down here. Now, we may hear more about whether he carried an injury through there or not. Carter and McCaw stepped up when the chips were down in that final and smashed it out of the park. The All Blacks have got a lot of good players coming through. Whether they're the kind of players who, when the chips are down, are the ones that you can go to and consistently win, we'll see. Could, can I throw a question out there? It's a poser for everybody here about whether politics, dare I say rugby and politics, are they those two related? Perhaps they are. Was Michael Checker actually being uh, named as the uh, the World Rugby Coach of the Year the the fall play for having uh, Dan Carter as the uh, World Player of the Year instead of uh, David Pocock? Thoughts? Oh, I, I, like Ben said, I don't think you can go past what Dan Carter has done. There's a bit of emotion to it as well, and yeah, and Dan Carter, you know, I think he he deserves it as well. Um, and but I think if you really look at it, week to week and international influence, and David Pocock should have got it. But I don't really have a problem with it, and I don't think David Pocock's got a problem with it either. No, I'd, I'd agree with you, with you, mm. Bronk. I think uh, going down to that final, I think it's Pocock by you know by head, you know, coming up to the finish line. But then Carter's influence to get that team in the shape it was and to win that final, um, I'm I'm comfortable with it as well. I still think Pocock was the more impressive influence through the through the season, but you know you can't go past that World Cup final piece. And and what what a grand tournament he had. You know I've I've been so inspired by him. Last night I uh, I watched a David Attenborough uh, <laughs> uh, documentary on, on 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 Channel Ten and uh, had a couple of uh, St Hallett's uh, Shirazes. So <laughs> so uh, you know you know what an absolutely great tournament to be to be able to put six of those high pressure games there, five or six or whatever it was. What a, what a superb effort! But uh, as you guys say, you know, like uh, you, you can't say anything against Dan Carter. What a superb footballer over a number of years. Were he sponsored by St Helens? Um, I don't about know. to be. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
So the playoff for third was interesting. We all thought it might be a blowout. It didn't turn out to be a blowout. It was a bit of a tighter contest, and South Africa got up over Argentina. Oh, mate, the Who Cares Cup. I watched it on Fast Forward. <laughs> I wasn't really that into it. it it's, it's interesting that uh, South Africa, uh, they, 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 they probably had more at stake, really, to, to be perfectly honest, South Africa. Uh, a lot of guys were, uh, were were getting out of the game. Matt Field, I don't think it was still Scout Berger again. The Argentinians, I think, changed something like 10 of their starting 15 from, from, from the week before. So, uh, obviously, blooding, uh, blooding a lot of people. Uh, you know... If if you look back over this tournament, Argentina must be the uh, the uh, the team with a with with a with, with a rocket next to them, aren't they? You know they're very much on the way up, playing a very good brand of football and uh, in Super Rugby, and you know their production line of talent is going to just get a, accelerate even more. Yeah, you know what I did think about that game is is firstly Argentina, great to see them up there, and let's hope we see more of that in the rugby championship going ahead. But for South Africa, I think uh, it's one of those games where. If you're a South African fan and you were hoping that Henneke Meyer was going to get the bullet, um, you were hoping that game didn't exist, so he didn't finish on a high and finish on a win. You know, it's a chance for the coach to keep his head in there. They didn't play a, a fantastically attractive brand of football. They didn't knuckle down when they needed to. But if there was any thoughts that, you know, that maybe they need a new broom, that that, uh, that game would, would help Henneke with his case to say, you know, we just got beaten by the All Blacks and we were almost there and we could have moved on. Um, but on the, on the third-place playoff, I think World Rugby needs to put its finger out and, and think about the way that um, uh, qualification for the next World Cup happens. I, I don't think you need that game. You sh- it shouldn't be that four years from now, a game that was played with two teams who are out of contention has an influence on who goes where in the World Cup. Mm. Uh, what about this other idea that been, has been floated about the, you know, the plate, the, um, plate, the cup, and obviously the bowl sort of comp? Uh, I reckon it's got a lot of merit. Um, if you can, if you want to, so you got the players for third. But what about adding a bit more there to give the other teams a, a chance to uh, continue through the World Cup? And uh, you know they get slaughtered um, with their short turnarounds. Interesting. I saw someone saying down the track that um, I think it was the Telegraph in the UK uh, talking about, it and then had a little side note about what was successful at the World Cup. But a little note about maybe, you know, at one point we might see lawyers involved in terms of countries with short turnarounds. And, you know, the more at stake we see down the track, then that might be a possibility. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that develops. But, you know, just involving uh, the teams a little bit more. It's, 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 a, it's a great, great concept, I, I think. But, you know, the hurdles that have got to be jumped through or jumped over to... Uh, Jump over them, mate. <laughs> to, 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 to actually get to this point. <clears throat> I would suggest would be close to in, insurmountable. You know, there's uh, club competitions where a lot of these uh, tier two players are actually playing, mostly in around the European sort of area. Uh, and and then there's the uh, the actual toll of playing. How, how many games do you play? You play uh, you'd play pretty close to six or seven, eight eight games maybe if, well, you, uh, you, if, you, you, actually, if play, you actually got, you as many got as through the you, final yeah. you've got so uh, player burnout sort of you're not giving me any decent argument <laughs> I was about to jump on you too mate because <laughs> those players are there to the end of the World Cup theoretically anyway so don't worry about the clubs well to be perfectly honest they're not once you're, once you're out, you go home. No, but you because are theoretically no, there. No, so, so you're there to the World Cup, so they're, they're not in the club's hands. No, this, is, this is the pinnacle of rugby for, the, for rugby worldwide, and I think that a commitment from every nation to be there for the eight mm. weeks or whatever it is should just be standard. And that means if there's a bowl or a plate competition, I would think I would love it. You know, yeah. forget the forget the third place playoff, but get these teams who are there who have already come together. There's a cost involved, sure, 
but you know they're not short of a buck. Um, and and get these competitions playing. It would have been a little parade of shame for England this time around. <laughs> but I think it would be great to see these teams get more time in the spotlight and show more of what they can do. We love the Japans of the world at this World Cup. Yeah, exactly. So, 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 you so, walk so, away so perhaps what you're thinking of is perhaps a, 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 an unlu- a, a lucky loser would go through from each pool and you'd have two semi-finals and a final. Is, is that the sort of structure you're talking about? Well, I think you just keep it very similar to what they do with sevens, you know, and just tweak it a little bit. Obviously, the turnarounds, you'd have to work on the turnaround times, but it just means that you've got other... Because it's pretty um, boring once you get to the knockout stage. You you start losing content during the week and keeping that interest day-to-day heading into the finals because of the big seven-day turnaround. So, um, I don't know. I think uh, it just adds, adds more to it. keeps people involved. And, and you might walk away with a bowl or a plate, but you walk away with something. A pint? <laughs> That's right. A carver bowl? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I think we all agree it was a very enjoyable World Cup, one that um, I think we walk away satisfied. Uh, for the Australians, uh, many people consider it a success. And I've got to say, uh, uh, considering where Australian rugby was 12 months ago, it's an unbelievable success. It is. When you look at the record of the Wallabies the couple of years prior, and I think they went 10-2 or something like that in uh, in this in this uh, calendar year, it's a it's a sensational turnaround. Uh, Michael Checker, we spoke about that last week, clearly coach of the year for mine for, for what he inherited and where he took the team to within a whisker of being world champions against what we've just talked about as one of the best all-black teams of all time. Um, I thought it was a great year. I don't think Checker will be... Uh, he'll be talking to the team about being proud, but he'll be making sure they know that they, you know, they could have done more. I don't think he's the kind of coach that sits on his laurels ever. But, uh, also, the uh, the rate of improvement or improvement needs to continue to happen. We 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 need to basically win a Bledisloe Cup, whether that's harder to win than the uh, than the actual Rugby World Cup, and in many ways it probably is. You only have to beat the All Blacks once in a in a Rugby World Cup. In a uh, in a Bledisloe Cup series, you've got to beat them two out of three times. So mm. that's uh, that's quite a mountain to uh, to climb, and it's uh, it's a big one. But it's obviously something that's going to fire them up, uh, fire up a guy like Checker to actually achieve things that uh, that haven't been done in the recent past. And I think you need uh, Australia needs to develop more patience. And I know we talk about the Australian side being a bit younger in some circumstances, but it it, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to get picked again next year. There's a whole Super Rugby season to come, so. Is Australia actually building to something or are we looking at more of a cultural thing? I'll go back to the game itself, the final. In those closing stages where Australia was still a chance before they all black scored that last try, they dropped the ball at least, what, three times with the ball in hand, with um, which were not necessarily uh, knocked out of our hands. They, they could Australia's poor carries led to that. And they're unforgivable in those stages of the game. You cannot give up that possession. New Zealand were very patient and they just took the spoils and ended up um, sealing it with one more try. So I think those, those are, I reckon those moments there would have been just uh, absolute coach killers in the box. Yeah, and we, and we spoke about that last week too, Bronx, saying that the, the, the errors that they were able to manage against the teams coming in, I, I don't think they ever really played that perfect game. They had some they had wonderful efforts and wonderful gutsy times that, that you know, we're all very proud of what they did, but that the the errors that we saw in previous games that they managed to, nonetheless get through and win, they we said that will cost them in the in the final. That's exactly what happened. They they weren't quite there. They weren't quite as polished or, as you would like them to be. And yet, and that you would have seen Checker just absolutely tearing his ears off. 
Yeah. What's the, left the, of them? The, the old uh, end of term report for the Wallabies would be there'd, there'd be one line that says, uh, make a nation proud of you. That would have been tick. That would have been mm. A+. plus. Uh, the other bits and pieces you're talking about uh, to um, taking care of possession, uh, you know, as Bronx said, you know, that uh, that probably probably uh, around about a pass mark. Defence, obviously, you know, that's uh, that's sort of right up there. You know, they're, uh, it's, it's a bit like my school reports, you know, done well but probably could do better type of thing, isn't it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Good. <laughs> they weren't brought to you by St. Hallett Shiraz, were they, mate? No. Cashew signed them in crayon, though. <laughs> very, right. very impressive. <laughs> uh, we mentioned him before, Israel Folau. Uh I've been a bit critical of his performance at the World Cup, but I don't think I'm alone. And uh, he certainly didn't live up to our, like, a World 15 player. Now, as Ben said, it might become apparent that he was more injured than we thought, if that were the case, and maybe selection was the issue. And... Uh, I just think that uh, we needed to see more out of him. I don't know what you guys think. Well, that uh, that injury that he obviously does have, did have through the tournament, was significant. I think uh, it was managed. They managed to get him on the field. He wanted to play. Uh, but a, but an ankle is, is something that's always in the back of your mind. It's, uh, you know, uh, you, you, you saw once where he tried to put the gas on there. I think it was against... Uh, Perhaps in the semi-final, late in that semi-final, and uh, the 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 ankle collapsed, and you know he came off at, uh, at shortly after that. So uh, listen, he he played busted, he played to his best ability, but uh, I think we're yet to see the best of him. Yeah, look, very clearly below what we know and expect from Israel Folau, and that was a worry. Um, if he wasn't injured, what was going on upstairs? Uh, really don't know where things went wrong for him there. We talked about coming into the tournament, how many players you have that would you know, contend in a World 15. And, and I think I said two. I said Pocock and Folau. I'd change that a bit now. We saw that whole back row, Hooper, Fardy, Pocock, who would all challenge for a World 15 spot. Folau wasn't anywhere near it. We saw, I, th- I think I read in the Herald they had, a, they had a bunch of experts pick their team in the tournament. And it was clearly obvious that Colin Meads didn't watch the tournament. He picked, <laughs> he picked Israel Folau over Ben Smith at fullback for a combined New Zealand-Australia team. So I think switch the TV on next time, Colin. Um, but, but yeah, Israel wasn't there, and that was a worry. Let's see how he goes when he comes back for the Tars next year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it may be if he's not 100%, he's just like that uh, premium racehorse you've got. He, he's just not going to give you what you need, and he needs to be fully fit and confident to play at a charge for those balls with loose carries and some bizarre kicks. You know, it wasn't... Uh, it really hampered Australia. He needed to be strong at the back, and uh, that wasn't the case of the World Cup. Yeah, and, and it, it was so uncharacteristic mm. for a guy that we've seen across multiple codes. Let's talk all about his yeah. AFL career, but, <laughs> but rugby league and, 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 in, uh, and in rugby union, both. A guy that was the ultimate you know, competitor and consistent. Every time he takes the ball up, you're used to him beating, beating the first guy at least, if not two, on every single carry. And that just wasn't apparent. Yeah, absolutely. Sam Burgess, the news uh, that he's coming back to Australia to play rugby league with South Sydney. Uh, we mentioned that we thought he was unfairly treated uh, in the media about uh, copying the uh, absolute, uh, I guess, uh, main blame for England's uh, demise of the World Cup uh, as we put on record, Casho. They, they, they didn't lose the game against Wales until after he left the field. So um, he's on the way back. I, saw, I spoke to Lottie Takiri the other day. He stood up for him. A few narrow-minded people in England who, who blamed him for it. Now, whether or not he should have stuck it out is another question. But uh, your thoughts on Sam Burgess's brief international rugby career? 
Oh, listen, he, he, was, uh, he was thrown into an environment that was always going to be hard to uh, sort of come through and produce his best. Uh, I, I don't think he was used correctly by, uh, by Stuart Lancaster, and uh, there was obviously a lot of confusion in and around his role at Bath and his, his, his role at international football. That would have made things hard going from, uh, from a uh, blindside breakaway to an inside centre at international level. So uh, I just think that uh, at international level... That style of inside centre is uh, probably much, uh, very much last year, and these things move very, very quickly. and uh, And Sam was uh, found wanting. Nothing, no, nothing wrong with his talent. I must admit that I was slightly disappointed that he didn't give it another year. That he didn't try and have a crack at the Six Nations. So, uh, it's uh, it's it's a real hard one. But if you're not happy, why stick around? It must have fallen apart really quickly, well, uh, internally. Yeah, it must have. And if, if um, England didn't already look shambolic, now they look like a shambolic laughingstock. No, no one looks good out of this. Absolutely no. no one looks good. English rugby brought him over there, stuffed it completely in the way they brought him into the team. Um, Sam uh, Burgess now looks to me like weak, like he had a bit of a crack and fell apart. He's going to you know run back to where he's known and loved. Um, the Rabbitohs look like they lost a bloke and now they've got spending half their salary cap on him. Uh, they might have the you know something, something's going on in the way they've got to manage their team now, <laughs> but it, it it looks bad all around. And I think for rugby union, it's a complete stuff up because this guy is a supreme footballer. Uh, treating him the right way, bringing him into in, into the game in the right way. They rushed it, they got it wrong, and they didn't just get it wrong on the park. They clearly got it wrong off the park. It's just a shambles. And I, I sort of feel sorry for Bath here because they led the charge, didn't they? And um, you know they they were getting some sort of progress out of him. And maybe he should have, you know, they should have just said, look, we'll give you a go. Um, but I think all this um, questioning in the, in, from around the fringes in the UK got to him. And, um, you know, he felt like he shouldered some bl- all the blame. It was just totally unfair. <laughs> totally unfair. There actually was some chatter out there that his uh, North England uh, background meant that he wasn't accepted as readily as some of the other guys from... Uh, from other other parts of the uh, UK apartheid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, Jesus. exactly. Come on, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the the mix of the England rugby team has been different for a while, long time. So that, I just uh, I think that's uh, got to be a seems lot like of a long bow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just bollocks. But um, you know, and and look at the mix of, of rugby full stop in the UK. So I think um, it's just a shame to see it happen because he's a supreme athlete. And who knows, he could have been doing, in a year's time, you know, he could be doing unbelievable things. You talk about building a team around a guy like, you know, Kane Douglas, a bit of an unsung hero, we believe. You know, Sam Burgess is the kind of guy I think that you can build a team around. Yeah. I don't think he's a 12. I think that he should have been developed as a back rower. But England, you know, I suppose if I was England coach, I'd be thinking more about how I find a, a number seven who can actually steal the ball first rather than another big, big bustling back rower, perhaps. How, how, how would the conversation, Stuart Lancaster rings up the bloke who is omitted from the World Cup squad, the England World Cup <laughs> squad, how does that conversation go next time round? It's a, there, there would be a pregnant pause at the start of it, wouldn't there? Has Lancaster been shot yet? Has he been sacked? Not as yet, no. Oh. Yeah, but so I don't think he's got to make that call, mate. Yeah. <laughs> if he does, he'll be doing it. He's, he's prepaid. He's done well to last this long. <laughs> he, certainly, he certainly has. I mean, you're right about the position selection. I mean, remember when Matt Burke had to go from fullback to uh, centre, just how difficult it was for him in that defensive channel let alone having a league guy go in and play 12 who was a forward. I mean, it's just 
it's it's when you think about it, and I know Kissy was talking about thinking about in, in the centre as well. But I think that was uh, overestimating uh, how easy it is to change. Well, I think if you're thinking of him as a centre, you're not going to think of it in his first nine games, no. you know, at an international level or whatever he played six or so in the end. Um, you'd, you'd want to bring him in slowly and develop him. The Sonny Bill Williams was done the right way that you know he came through French rugby played a bit more on that position, moved around a little bit more and, and, and found his way in the, at the right time. And don't forget, he had a massively smashed face from the NRL Grand Final where he played with a broken cheekbone heading into the uh, uh, season with Bath. Yeah, and he's gone from Bath, uh, you know, no disrespect to the English Premiership. It's a long, long way from international rugby. And international rugby has sped up significantly in the past 18 months. And I I think he was found wanting, to be honest. Uh, having said that, the... the the thrust and parry, the combative nature of the of the premiership, uh, really does, you know, prepare you well, um, especially in those conditions, you know. Um, but yeah, it was just a tough, tough, tough call. And this particular rugby world cup was played in uh, in generally quite good conditions, and uh, all the pitches were quite hard, and uh, there was none of those grinds, perhaps except for the uh, South Africa New Zealand semi final. Speaking so. of grind. Uh, how did the Rays go? Just a quick summary. You've got a minute to summarise uh, the National Rugby Championship in Australia, which is over. It's a uh, run and won by Brisbane City. Congratulations to uh, Nick Stiles. Yeah. Uh, undefeated once again. Uh, two premierships in a row, and I think he, uh, he should be recognised as probably the next Queensland coach in waiting. Mm. Oh, we're going to get on to Super Rugby in the future, but someone's got to explain me how Richard Graham has a job, but we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that at another time. <laughs> That's a uh, special show, that one, I think, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. it? It will be a special show. But, uh, but anyway, listen, the, 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 the Rays uh, manned up and, uh, and did sort of quite well. Lost in our, uh, our final round game against the, uh, against the New South Wales Country Eagles, but uh, a few things needed to be tweaked for, uh, for a team like the Rays to, uh, to realise their full potential. But anyway, there's always next year. Uh, shout out too to our good friend uh, cameraman from Channel 7 uh, Cameron Harvey who lost his partner very recently to a brain tumour he had the yesterday the running of the first uh, race for Stace on paddle boards uh, around Rose Bay in Australia and uh, you know raising money for brain cancer research which sadly is very lacking so Cam Harvey well done uh, it was a great afternoon and good to see all the networks Channel 9 versus Channel 7 all that sort of stuff coming together and it was wonderful stuff so well done Cam Harvey and a race for Stace. Mark Cashman, thanks for coming in on a Sunday morning. Pleasure, Bronk. Off for a coffee now. <laughs> right, there he is, Mark Cashman. And Ben Kimber, thanks for coming in, mate. Thanks, mate. What a great World Cup. Enjoyed it thoroughly, boys. And, but we're going to keep it going, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there's plenty of rugby in the Premiership to talk about overseas and Australians involved there. So we will continue Rugger Matrix through the summer and the winter in the Northern Hemisphere. Thanks for your company. Hope you enjoyed the World Cup. We'll be back again next week.